Architecture doesn't exist in a vacuum and neither should you. Whether it's a design critique or understanding how design connects to a larger world, gaining insight is invaluable for architecture students. Well, actually, all students in general. In these interview sessions, guests from professors to professionals and everyone in between will share their experiences and thoughts on design and the built environment. In this episode, I am joined by Court Sin, studio director at Forec. Uh, we're, we've known each other for quite a while, and he's just coming off of, I just want to say once again, thanks for doing reviews with my students in Forec. Yeah, um, no problem. We'll, we'll talk about that momentarily, but I don't want to butcher your, your introduction, but I do want to say that he's a very well-accomplished student. He did a great job in his master's, did his undergrad and master's at the Empire at University of Waterloo. And I want to say that even though you are working at Forec, which seems like to be the Disney world, and we'll get to that in a sec, it's like the Disney world of architecture firms. Right. Uh, you also have a very intellectual streak too, and we'll talk about that, but introduce yourself, please. Sure. Um, my name is Court Sin. Uh, it's a fun name. Um, people find it memorable, which is, uh, is always good. Um, I think you've covered a lot, Vince, but you know, uh, right now I am the uh, Director of Architecture um, at Forec, which is a fun name because it's uh, for recreation. There you go. Um, and it goes, goes right back to uh, Ontario Place and uh, Canada's Wonderland for all you in the GTA. Um, but we've also been kind of longstanding within uh, experiential design, which is something that I think as architects and designers, we um, inherently do, but we don't get the opportunities to kind of do the fun stuff that um, I get to do on, on a daily basis, so. Well, okay, let's, let's jump right into this because I think you used the F word there, use the word fun. And I mean, most people think uh, working in architecture offices, yeah, it's a lot of creativity, a lot of intensity. Um, and our, honestly, we know it's a lot of work. Those of us that are studying architecture right now and listening to this, we know that it's a lot, right? And whether it's, it's making uh, an amusement park, a, a, a zoo, um, a science museum or what have you, right? Um, you're you're, you're going to still have a lot of hardcore architecture where you still have to be cognizant of door schedules, room finish schedules. Like, I mean, quite frankly, sure. in a facility like that, uh, there's probably more of a bespoke or more of an eclectic uh, range of things that are under your wing. So I, I think one of my first questions to you is that even though it's a lot of fun and everyone says, oh man, I'd love to work on an amusement park or those kind of things, right? I want to broker a couple of questions to you because I think that most people have some basic questions about, first off, in that line of work, right? It's a very niche, even though we see it all the time, it's very niche. And one of the first questions I often get um, when people are saying, wait, you know someone that works there and also what do they do? How do you research? How does one research their clients? Like, I mean, that's like, so, so like, for example, for a lot of students listening, they just maybe finished or they're finishing off a studio project and it's right. like, they were given a functional program or they were told, Correct. okay, I got to design a library. Well, guess what? The first thing they do, Google up coollibraries.com or, you know, like that, that kind of thing. And right. then they got, and they've probably been to a library and they probably had to maybe God forbid, read books or like borrow <laughs> stuff in the past. Right. So when you're saying you have to design something from scratch or better yet, it doesn't really exist. Or maybe it's based on IP that is perhaps a little bit, nebulous i mean right. how do you research how do you even prepare good 
good question. So, um, and, and I, maybe, maybe to answer the question, I'll, I'll precursor it with, you know, what, what we deem as experiential design, Mm -hmm. because yes, you're right. Um, I think theme parks, which, which there is a difference between amusement and, and theme parks. I think when you think of a theme park, you are thinking about the Disney's and the universals that are themed Mm-hmm. with IP intellectual property amusement parks typically if you if you look it up is uh, more like a midway in mm-hmm. a way kind of like the CNE or going to the X um, so the, you know no matter what you're still having fun you're still uh, making memories um, but we also do you know something that's that that I started off with actually when I joined about seven years ago is um, mixed use entertainment, which is, uh, I guess, maybe a good comparison in the GTA might be like the distillery district, creating a sense of place with a sense of scale, with a certain, uh, you know, style. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, We also do resorts and hotels. And then we do, you know, alongside of those resorts and hotels are water parks, which are also interesting, which kind of segue neatly into the theme park world. Um, and then we also do visitor attractions. And, and I know you know about this one at the ROM, the Royal Ontario Museum, one of our one of my favorites, actually, before I even knew that Forek had done it, is the Batcave mm-hmm. um, and the Edge Walk, for instance. Um, and that then you know, manifests itself into more um, current sort of spaces. Like we, we came up with um, some of, some of the, the sort of interactive uh, uh, hospitality. So restaurant mixing with arcades. There is one that's uh, very close to what I still call the Sky Dome um, that we prototyped. And we're finding that that prototype and that style of entertainment and restaurant and bar is uh, finding itself in other regions of the world as well. So, okay, so to answer the question, how do we start with something that's coming from scratch? Mm -hmm. And the short answer is with our firm, which is uh, a mix of a true multidisciplinary firm, um, not just architects, origin story is landscape architecture, um, interior designers, graphic designers, and then a bit of a misnomer is our creatives. But yeah, you got psychologists the, too, I think. If I looked at the roster, you have like yeah, we we've got a mixed bag of really talented people. Um, and what we do is we draw on the plus or minus forty years of experience, um, and that may be going through our own portfolio of work, um, kind of understanding what the size and scale of a site may be. Um, to your point, understanding the client is a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding whether they have intellectual property that they want to, you know, showcase to the world and invite people into their, 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 um, their experience and then figuring out the logistics. Um, so logistics, I think is, is a big topic to unpack but it's really like, how big is the site? What is the access? Um, What are we thinking in terms of attendance? Mm -hmm. For some clients, they want to be, 
you know, they want to be the number one. So they, they, they aim for the stars in terms of the millions of annual visitors. And from there, we're able to kind of mathematically through our own formulas, figure out, okay, how many, how many rides or attractions or events or features will keep an average person uh, entertained. And there's actually something called entertainment units. And we, we try and calibrate it so that over the course of a day, you know, um, you can figure out how much, um, how, how much sort of experience a person can get by mm -hmm. visiting your, in this case, a theme park, um, and then sprinkle in the retail, you know, exit through the gift shop, sort of Banksy style, but also the, uh, the food and bev, which is also a key part. You know, um, some people have fond memories of, you know, uh, big turkey drums yep, uh, Disney at Disneyland, yeah. you know, or, or the funnel cakes for some reason at, at uh, for sure. Wonderland. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, exactly. So, so it all kind of ties in together. Um, and I guess maybe, maybe to, to really kind of wrap that up with a, with a cleaner answer is that like each one of our projects is a, a tailored suit or a tailor, mm -hmm. like a tailored dress. Um, there isn't really a, a cookie cut. So, okay. so, so for research, I think a lot of our people are very passionate about what they do. Mm -hmm. So whether they're visiting, you know, museums, um, because that's part of what they're interested in, or, you know, going to Disneyland or Universal Studios whenever they can, um, you know, hopefully soon. Um, mm -hmm. That is part of the research, for well, sure. Well, okay, so so hear me out here, though, because I'm going to dig down a little bit further, because like I said before, it's easy for, uh, and I use that term loosely, I don't want to diminish the value of research that architects undertake when they look at doing a new type of building, right? But I know, for example, if I were commissioned to do a synagogue, I'm not Jewish, right? But I'd, I'd have to like do my homework, make sure I know what's going. Is it is it uh, you know reform or is it kind of more Hasidic? Like, I don't I don't know. Like I'd have to do my homework, right? right? And then I'd probably look at some precedents, and I'd be like, okay, say no more. I know that there's a certain code compliance for number of washrooms, uh, you know, e egress, you know, all that kind right. of stuff, as well as the kind of programmatic issues, but. I kind of have a legacy, like you were talking about a portfolio of a stable of people that have got lots of experience, right? But, you know, we're talking about a project or projects that are steeped in something that is A, known, right? I do know that uh, there's handrails are necessary. I do know that, you know, gravity exists, right? But then, and then retail components and whatever. But I also don't know certain things. Like I, if you asked me, hey, Vince, you got to design Barbie, uh, the Barbie amusement, uh, sorry, Barbie Playland or something, right? Right. I, I wouldn't, I'd have to do some homework because I don't know anything about Barbie, really. Like, or Yeah, no, that, that's actually kind of an interesting thing because uh, a project, well, several projects, we, we, when we were in our same studio together, all together mm -hmm. there would be meetings where uh our teams were watching movies animated films mm -hmm. to to pick up on projects um there is one project that i'm very proud of that i was um able to be uh my own my own version of of, of a fan 
is a, a project that will be opening soon and I can talk about it. Um, it's a John Wick experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, do you know anybody who knows about this franchise? And I said, uh, who has two thumbs and looks like this? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I helped with, uh, with a very talented team to come up with the storyline. And that is something that maybe I haven't touched upon is like the narrative is the mm-hmm. storytelling. And that's, that's the experience, right? Like um, I think people spend a lot of hard earned money to, to come visit the places that we create, whether it's a hotel or whether it's a, a, a water park. So um, being able to immerse someone into an experience takes a lot of effort and um, you know, that research really does come from knowing, knowing the material. Um, but we, we, we know that like, say for example, I might be a super like, and I, I don't want to coin a term from your brother. Cause your brother called me out and used the N word on me. He's like, nerd, nerd. Um, so, uh, like say for example, you and I both know Batman, for example. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes we might get too into the weeds and go no batman doesn't kill so you wouldn't do this and like you know you wouldn't you you know you wouldn't do certain things or hey you know what we got to have this place where joker snaps barbara you know gordon's back or something you're like whoa dude it's a kid's ride and you got to separate yourself from the trenches of like super fandom nerd them right like you're talking about john wick i mean there's a lot of violence in that stuff and then how do you kind of convey that to something that's more that's right so so right. the, the, the real answer there is um, it's really about the, 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 the essence of the story. Like it's, you know, it's Homer's odyssey. It's like, mm-hmm. what happens to this person and, and what is this character fulfilling? So in this case, without spoiling the experience, it, it is following the storyline of, of an escape, you know? So mm-hmm. you're on the journey with them and, um, like we, we have an amazing, um, team of consultants and the client is fantastic. Um, but we ha- also had to take into a, into account where the region was. Mm-hmm. So weapons are not yeah. allowed. So it's really about, you know, the, the, the rough and tumble. It's about the, the combat and, uh, how, how do you integrate that into, what we call, uh, you know, the ride system, you know, like how, how does the ride system um, accentuate, you know, that experience so that when you get off of that ride attraction, the ride system, and you've like, wow, this was a number one attraction Mm -hmm. and everything thematically just immerses me into this experience is, you, you know, you just, you want to come back and do it again. And you want to tell other people about it. So then here, here's a couple of other questions on this one, because as I was describing, there's a lot of things that you have to know. And I mean, I'm not sure what the window is to learn about all that stuff. Like say, for example, right. I'm a 70 year old person that I'm, I'm a senior, I'm in charge of this project. And then my client, and, I'm, and I, I think there's a little secondary question of like, how do you even acquire clients? But I mean, so I'm a 60, 70 year old person. I'm not familiar with the coolest teenage Thing, like the newest IP, whatever Marvel movies right. out. Like, there's got to be a time frame. Like, I can't just go. Give me a te- second. I'm gonna watch all 20 odd Marvel movies to make the new right. Marvel, like you know, uh, theme park. Like, 
How do I get which my is, hair Which has already happened, by the way. Well, yeah, I, thank you. I know, but I was trying to use something that's like super epic. Like, you know, <laughs> you can't sit down for like 70 hours and watch all those damn movies, right? Well, um, or do I you? Well, I, I think there's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a collaboration. Let's, let's be fair. Like any good project, regardless of what we do is, is, is a nice collaboration. And sometimes the client already has an idea, you know, this is, this is the ride that they want. Is this IP intellectual property appropriate for it? Mm-hmm. Can you help us build something that's going to m- marry the this concept with the physical machine right it's a it's a it's a ride it's like a gigantic ride that costs millions of dollars that takes months if not years to kind of prepare and get tested and such so go ahead sorry oh so so yeah like just rambling there it's like um it, it 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 is it is kind of like I think a tailor is a good word is, you know, you, you need to try things out. You need to say, Hey, you know, here are the three options. What do you think? And they'll say, you know what? We, we ended up doing our own research. We have our own team who are, who are young and, and, you know, they're, they're working with our marketing department. They think that this is the next big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So you work with them and and you trust them and sometimes sometimes there's hard conversations and there are disagreements but in the end though it's like either they believe in you or you believe in them and you just work it through so so then just coming back to that though like assuming that there's a certain research window or time frame for that what would you say is the typical gestation period for like um like you know say ipx land or you know uh, the, you're talking about the John Wick ride. Like, what what is the time frame from like concept or like the client says, "Hey, I want a John Wick ride." Like, what's the time frame of like that meeting, and then like any major milestones? Like, I'm assuming there's like a prototyping. There's like a story group. There's like I don't know. Oh, like, oh, you're you're talking about the whole process of actually yeah, getting. Yeah, like because 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 maybe just to get people's heads around the fact that you oh, know the process like architecture, but also maybe there's extra right. Oh, well, it's, it's totally like, uh, like, I know I said it before, but it's truly multidisciplinary because we're working with creative directors who have way more experience with storytelling than the average designer or architect. You also have the interior designers who are trying to create that lobby and make it authentic and make it, you know, appropriate to, to the intellectual property. Um, we also have our graphic designers who are creating beautiful um, presentations that articulate the, 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 here's something is the sequence. It's, it's that stuff that, you know, Peter Zumthor and mm-hmm. you name the uh, modernist architect who always talked about, okay, what is the procession? You know, yeah. how, how do we approach what is what is the feeling you're getting there? Okay, what is that going to build up into the next? Are you compressed? Are you are you in an expanse? Are you hearing things? Are you seeing things? And it all kind of ties in together. It's a, it's a grand illusion in a way. Um, what we're doing and and it I don't, I don't think it's spoiling it at all, but it it, it is very uh, nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. And and as you kind of go through it with our 
with our team, kind of putting it together and working with our consultants and the client, we're trying to, uh, to your point, and I think was one of your first questions is like, how do you create something that doesn't exist? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it is this cooperation, collaboration of multiple creatives with different backgrounds. Like one of our really talented creative directors is uh, actually Peter, Peter Marshall, yep. um, who, who, who did on with you, yep. right. Um, if, you know, he, he's trying to, he's trying to like explain something that doesn't exist. So how do we do it? We're going to, we're going to have to work with our graphic design, um, who's also amazing. Oh, how do we, can we get some audio in there? Can we make a glass break? Can we pull it apart? Can we put in some 3D? Can we actually rotate something? Like, how do we do this so that when we present it to the client, who also has their own board, who has their own stakeholders and shareholders, mm-hmm. how do they then take this presentation often sometimes in a different language to, to understand the design intent and invest you know, significant coin into something that they think will really wow and, and make them stand out, so. Well, okay, so then let, let's talk about like brass tacks here because you sure. and I both have, like, I mean, uh, I think we, we, we didn't really go into the fact that, Court, you have, a little bit of teaching under your belt as well. That's right? true. That's true. So you've, you've, you've certainly done some work with us at Ryerson. Um, yep. Was it second year and first year, I believe? I did. I think I did fourth year, first year, second year. You had fourth year? I think so. The hell? Damn it. Yep. Man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've done it. Okay. Okay. So, so the thing is you've, you've had your fair share of brushes with, uh, academia. Okay. Yeah. And I, love will it. To, I will get to your academic side in a sec, but sure. I, I, you know, as a nexus point, I think one thing that we very rarely talk about, it's like almost a taboo is the realities of the types of clients we get in architecture. I mean, it's weird that in architecture schools, you, you often get the museums, the churches, the kind of like big schools or whatever, like libraries, but you, it's almost a taboo to say, guess what? You're going to design a, a big box store or you're going to design right. a warehouse. And we know that on, uh, like there's, there's a lot of money and a lot of firms that are doing just that. And, and I'd say that to a certain degree, when someone says, oh, well, why don't we have the students design, I don't know, I don't know, like a, a Roblox or a Minecraft land or something, right? Like, right, you know right. I mean? like that, that becomes, no, man, that, that, that's just, that, that's not appropriate. Right? That's a taboo. So I wanted to, I just want to know from your standpoint, as one who practices in this now and mm-hmm. got an awareness and got an awareness of what it's like to be a prof, can you yeah. kind of negotiate that to people just going like, why is that we don't teach that or um, why that we don't broker it? Are we too entrenched in this kind of classical model of if it isn't high cultural architecture, it's not worth teaching in the studios? Like that that's, that's, seems to be the case. Well, I, I, I think it, I, you know, it's a, it's a, now we're getting really into the academics of it all. But in terms of architectural theory, there are, I would say, several different sort of vantage points on the purpose of architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this is from Mabel O. Wilson, who's a uh, professor at Columbia University. 
her belief is, I think that architecture and design have the capacity to do more than simply be pragmatic and solve problems. It's sort of like thinking that art is merely about making beautiful things. Art does much more than that. Architecture also does much more than solving problems of the built environment. And, and I think that that resonates with me because yeah. of, you know, art, I love art, um, but architecture is another form of art, but it's also engineering and it's also about being fiscally responsible. It's also about health and safety, you know? Um, it's also about common places that everybody's familiar with. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe what I'm getting at to answer the question is that if, if you're following the, the, the mantras of uh, uh, architects who've won maybe too many awards um, and done too many masterclasses, even then, you know, Frank Gehry will say that architecture is for people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the stuff that I've found myself doing over the last seven years is just another form of that. And it's, um, I think it's way more complex than people realize, you know, it's, uh, it, yes, there is some Venturi-esque glorified sheds, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of thinking about, you know, you, you try and put a, a vibrating um, steel rail uh, train, basically, which is a coaster inside of a building um, that's in the dark and has props in it um, and has timing and lighting effects and smoke effects and, you know, projection mapping um, like that's, that's all orchestrated. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the greatest thing is, is like, maybe the problem is, is that some of these scholars have never experienced these things and had some fun, you know? So maybe, maybe that's part of it. You know, I, I'm glad you actually talked about it from that perspective, because of course we know like you know, we can go back as far as like, not to say that he is the kind of penultimate person to talk about, but of course, you know, we talk about uh, Vitruvius, like, you know, we often forget about the delight, right? The durability and the kind of functional pragmatic issues are, are kind of tacit to good building, but architecture is the thing that brings the light. And I'm also glad that you talked about uh, Venturi, right? And yeah. just for the audience listenership, um, you know, Court was talking about decorated sheds and ducks. Uh, you can look that stuff up, but basically um, we have buildings that are just basically like Walmarts and you just kind of put a good, you know, different decor on the outside and say, look, it's Best Buy and make that forced perspective. And it's kind of all the same on the inside. But then you also have weird buildings that are literally weird buildings. Like you have yes. buildings that look like baskets or ducks and they are in the shape of that. And, and they're just like weird looking concoctions of architecture. But Venturi starts talking about those things uh, in, in a very famous book called Learning from Las Vegas, which she does with Eisenhower and Brown, uh, Denise mm -hmm. Scott Brown. And I, I thought it would be good to jump into that just to get pick your brain on this, because very rarely do we actually, we often intellectualize Venturi, right? Very rarely do we get to see someone or talk to someone who actually engages that world, right? Like I take students to Las Vegas to teach studio, right? So, well, before we could travel, right? I mean, right, right, right. before the snap, right? But, right. Um, and, and you do environments that are kind of akin to that. Like, I mean, I would argue that Las Vegas is like Disney World for grownups, right? Like, 
it's it's super hyper uh you know attention grabbing every square foot on the casino floor is all about kind of getting your attention getting your money right um and yeah. and all these casinos are centered around various ips like most people can see clearly new york new york is very much new york um right. then you look at say uh I don't know, let's say the Bellagio and people don't know that it's kind of screaming about like uh, Lake Como, uh, like Como out, out, out in Italy and, uh, yeah. or that, uh, what is it? The, the MGM is all about, you know, the Wizard of Oz and the, and the Emerald City. So it's just funny that for all the stuff that we're talking about, right, in, in, in the kind of academic realm, we're talking to you and you deal with this on a day-to-day basis, right? So I was just wondering if you can comment a little bit on just the fact that a lot of people will just look at it and say, it's, can you, I want to hear your response on a couple of things, right? Sure. We know that architecture, or we, we all aspire to say, think that our architecture is timeless, right? Yet, we, let, let's be honest here. Like, I mean, that, that's, we, classically, that's how we understand a lot of architecture, right? Right, right sure. Um, but then we look at things like, I'm not even going to say, um, IP based, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of theme parks. I'm going to talk about explicitly, let's say retail environments, right? Those change, like you might have Eaton Center, right? But the stores change, even Eaton's in Eaton Center changed yes. out. Right? That's so right. The, the, and that actually, you know, inadvertently under Cadillac Fairview, it, it's kind of changed certain uh, ways that the architecture has manifest itself, right? So right. even something that is a machine for retail is essentially altering all the time. And so that timelessness kind of diminishes with time. And when you see that kind of accelerated, when you see stuff like Las Vegas, where like uh, casinos and resorts are imploding every eight to 10 years because they've right. made their money off of it, right? right. We know that we were seeing right now, Disney World, for example, we, we see that it's expanded to take the kind of uh, Star Trek Galaxy's Edge. We know that they're going to be putting like super Avatar world or what, like, or you got the Avatar world. But, you know, they're changing all the time, right? And they've kind of taken out various rides. Can't remember anymore. Yeah, and then they repurpose things. You yeah. You know, like right. the, the, the Tower of Terror has now been revamped into Gardens of the Galaxy. and so, so, so can you talk to that kind of issue of like the stuff that you're talking about is an IP... I don't want to, I don't want to diminish it, but it's like, it, it is very time. Like people don't know about, like, listen, we were talking about Transformers earlier, right? Before we were recording. Sure were, yeah. and, and the thing is that when I talk to some students about Transformers, they don't understand that Transformers fundamentally came from robots and vehicles. People remember it. No, it was like Optimus Prime was a gorilla. And I'm like, when the hell did that happened? Right. Um, because that's what they, that's their truth. And that's right. what's understood, right. Right? right. So it changed over really fast. So my question for you is, we see that your um, kind of bread and butter for these really cool, cool projects is based on IP, which does shift over time, right? And yeah. how do you feel about this kind of, it, it, it has a huge impact. Like, let's be honest here, Harry Potter uh, world, is it, Wizarding World of Harry Potter is huge. And it's a great feat to be able to translate Rowling's ideas into physical reality, right? I don't deny yeah. that. But yeah. Does it have the staying power like 60 years from now? Will it be there? Or will it be in the same incarnation that we see it as? I don't think so, right? So when you are undertaking a project like that, how do you kind of negotiate that in your mind where you're like, okay, so I was taught Pantheon, the, you know, Hagia Sophia, right. you know, the, the house, Houses of Parliament, like all these things have this monumentality to it and, and durability, mm. 
and still does kind of have the the light, right? Arguably, it still does. Yes, yes. And, and then the stuff that we're talking about now is so centered in IP that alters very quickly in, in the scheme of things, well, right? It, it, it's it, it's this is this one's a big one to unbox because you know <laughs> I'm I'm sure our audience has some form of streaming service, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Disney Plus, maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's Hulu or whatever it may be. Yep. Prime. Um, remind me to talk about the metaverse later too. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But um, I I would say that you know the fundamentals that you learn from uh, the the great quote unquote masters. I don't even know if that's the right word anymore. But you know the people who kind of told us that they knew more than we did. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that monument, monumentality was in a way in homage to something that doesn't exist anymore, right? Um, it was in, in homage to Marcus Aurelius. It was, you know, it was, it, you know, you think about what Hausman did to, to, Paris and stuff. You know, like, you know, it was these were bold moves. And I don't know. I I what I think is interesting is how did these people convince other people to do what they did? <laughs> um, so anyway, that's another story story. But to answer your question, then it's like uh the work that we do, and it's not just IP, and we, we do get um quite a few projects that are saying, Hey, we we like this sort of thematic, it's a yeah. fantasy but we don't know, we can't, we don't have our own IP. We need to invent something. So we'll, we'll actually create the characters for them. Wow. Um, we'll actually write a storybook for them um, that, that kind of explains the journey through the different lands. Um, and uh, yeah, anyways, I'm, I'm going on a tangent, but I, I think for the work that we do, I, I think we know that it's about maximum impact in the most concentrated time available. So knowing full well that things will change is just part of the typology. Um, we embrace the typology, much like what you're saying about retail. It's like we, we know that trends will change. We know that interests will change. That That is just something we have to accept is that you know, you're going to finish this, you're going to binge watch an entire series, you're going to be really into it. And then you're going to be like, what's the next new thing? So to answer your question, will Harry Potter be around for 60 years? Well, some could argue that this is a small world is still around. Mm -hmm. um, some would argue that the castle for Cinderella still re remains. I know I'm using a lot of Disney references, but I think it's probably the most, yeah. it's, it's the most relatable. So um, I, th I think it, it lies in the audience. And I, I think maybe that's what I'm trying to get at is that, uh, you're going to help, you're kind of letting me kind of solve my own, my own, uh, answer here. Just lie that, down on the couch and I'll, you know, yeah, exactly. Get it is that those, those, those monumental projects were for certain individuals that were not the average person. Mm -hmm. The average person was actually building it. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, we can get into all of that sort of, you know, backstory, but I think what, what these, I'm going to keep on using the theme park as an example, 
is that it's meant to be an accessible escape for the general population. You know, like mm-hmm. you think about it, you, you, you've heard it. Someone wins the Super Bowl. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, uh, somebody comes back from a trip. And they're like, where did you go? Oh, I went here. I had the most amazing time. Everyone's like, well, you must have had a fun time. Like, you know, so I, I think it's, it's about accessibility. Um, I don't know if I'm answering totally the question, but knowing that the work will and the, um, the site will change, there will be expansions, there'll be contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, that's kind of what our job is about. You know, we have repeat clients that come back to us and say, hey, we want to revamp this area. Right. What do you think? Right. So, I, you know, I would agree that uh, on two on two very prominent things, if I can just kind of I don't want to put words in your mouth here, Court. Yeah. I think the first level is that um, I think it's unfortunate that we imagine that architecture is for a certain group. I think that it's almost to say that it's profane to, to make architecture for a general population. And, 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 you know, to your point, it's really important that the accessibility of it, not just in terms of, oh, I get it. It's that, oh, I can be there and it's enjoyable. I think that yeah. that is something that we often lack. And, and I'm, I'm glad you, you raised that. But then I, I just want to come back to another issue. Um, you know, we were talking about the IPs and stuff. And then maybe that's right. where you can actually tie it back to the metaverse discussion, right? Right, right. You know, we, we've seen, it's just funny that you're talking about theme, theme, theme parks, right? And the two that really strike me right now are the, I don't remember what the Banksy one is, where he bankrolled it and he like made like the- uh, Dis- Dismaland? Yeah, Dismaland, yeah. The, so, yeah. so you guys can look it up on, and I'll, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes, but um, Banksy basically made the antithesis of Disney yes. World, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, um, I can't remember, like there's like the, the pumpkin. I, is- I don't know how we got away with the copyright infringement, yeah. to be honest. So, so, so there's that kind of thing. Um, and, and of course, it, it's like an IP thing, but, you know, you know, that side. But we also know that lots of IPs do shift. And, and I agree that, you know, we're probably not going to have a static uh, kind of uh, theme park in, in the world. But, you know, we, we noticed that, uh, say, Disney, they are fighting tooth and nail to kind of keep Mickey Mouse from going to open source, basically, right? Because mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse, I think it's, uh, he's getting all up there. And yeah. is, it, is it the statute for his, uh, like Walt Disney to own Mickey Mouse ends, like it was supposed to end like in 2050 or something like that? I can't remember. Or 2040? I can't remember something like that, right? And I, I don't know enough about it, but wouldn't it be amazing if, if he does become uh, open source? Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. But then that, that means it's just fun because then that means you can be like, yeah, Court's going to open up his own Disney world and he doesn't need to be like that kind of guy. Right. And so, right. That's true. But, but, but then, okay. So, so you want to say something about the metaverse though. I just wanted to make sure I don't. Oh, oh, I, I was just saying that um, I, I think the other overlay that may also be kind of not quite acknowledged by the conventional architect or architectural scholar is the embracement of technology. Now there is, there is of course the advancements of very respective, respectable firms that have their own research and development divisions within their own, you know, large companies that are uh, modifying mullions or, uh, you know, creating their own hardware or coming up with, you know, I'm thinking about Perot and like the, the lens, right. um, you know, 
Uh, and then, you know, think about the Eden project and EFTE and like, how did all that stuff happen? Someone came up with it and said, Hey, can we do it? They collaborated with engineers and fabricators and they created it. It's not, it's not dissimilar to what we do with, with experiences. We're, we're working with collaborators who are doing things that are advancing our, our way of immersing. Uh, whether it's audio or visual or the combination of both and even more than that other effects so with the metaverse i think what we're well at least what i'm hearing is that the combination of taking a streaming service and like all of that you know the just library of stuff and figuring out a way to like bring that into your black mirror right whether it's on your in your pocket or it's you know in a tablet um and then then the idea of AR, MR, VR. And we're, if, if you haven't looked it up, look up Universal Studios Japan and the Mario World. Mm-hmm. Um, had an amazing conversation with some of the creators that did some of the tech there. Um, and it's just, it's just really inspiring. And maybe, maybe the, the, pure, the sort of quote unquote purity of architectural design needs to be questioned because maybe the purity is about just the design and the ideas mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't matter, you know, what you practice, whether it's high design and uh, well, we always revere museum design as, as being one of the highest or high end residential or such, but maybe it's more about just kind of taking a cue from uh, Archigram and, you know, just like, what is this crazy idea? Like all was one of my, mm-hmm you know, idols for sure, mixing paint and like, how do you create these forms? Are they, it's okay if it doesn't exist, how do we create it? You know, so. So, so I, I have a couple of questions on that front because you were talking about the mixed reality technology. So I deal with yeah. VR and AR and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And the, the question is that it's great in projecting and imagining unbuilt realities, like, you know, unbuilt worlds. But then I'm thinking about with the onset of all these technologies, how do you see those AR, VR conditions impacting like the, the theme parks that you're talking about, because we right. know that uh, like right now we're in the pandemic where, you know, a lot of people are jumping on VR and literally doing like VR vacations or like there is like a huge upswing in video game usage and all that fun stuff because it's yeah. a, a, a nice way to have recreation at home, right? And, and so I, I, I just wanted to understand where your perspective, what your perspective is on that and its impact on the themed park industry. Um, this one is, is maybe more of a personal response, but um, something that I've been researching over the last couple of years is something called prosemics. Yep. Um, it's, you know, in simple terms, it's like your personal bubble, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's varying degrees of personal bubble. I started doing further research into it when I was working on um, AS Roma, which is a football club in Rome. Um, the, the client was interested in us because we, uh, we understand crowds. Now, this pre pre-snap, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea that people do like being in crowds, you know, I think there's something that relates to community. There's something, I, I dare I say, tribal about it. Just being part of the, the group, 
Well, those, those football clubs in Europe do kind of, yeah. Yes, that's true. That is, and, and like that that's a riot, true. man. That is a riot. That, yes, that's true. Um, we'll dial it back then. But yeah. the, the idea that you have, you know, a personal space is, is, I think, part of how, I think part of the recovery from the snap will also be is, um, you know, thinking about a theater, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, being able to cheer in a concert. I, I think there is something that we as, as humans or beings, um, we, we do want to be around other people and, and there's energy there. I think there's, I think there's science behind it. You know, we all kind mm-hmm. of emit some sort of radio magnetic wave or something, but um, the, the VR world, I think is more about convenience so if you think about your black mirror and all the apps that you already have mm-hmm. right now, some of the, the apps for some of these major, um, not, not only theme parks, but even like museums, you can, you can navigate, you can self-navigate. And, and it's, it's, it's found itself into malls as well, where um, you, you're able to figure out where you want to go um, and it can guide you. But here's the other layer. Now it's a little bit dated, but Pokemon Go was kind of a big thing mm-hmm. when you start seeing people standing on street corners with their phones up. But that's all about geo capture and um, the idea that a uh, it doesn't have to be a theme park. We do also eco resorts. Mm-hmm. So if you're out in a, a beautiful place, let's say it's in Indonesia somewhere, and we're trying to be respectful of the ecology of it all maybe the, the AR layering is helping you determine what the plant species are. It's helping you identify vantage points. It's helping you identify trails that are the least impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's like, that's what I'm trying to get at is that that layer of, of technology just makes it more convenient and more thoughtful. At least I, that's what I want it to. No, I would, I would agree. I would agree hundred percent. And I'm glad that you're not kind of tossing it away as a bit of a gimmick. And, and if anything, it's more supportive of building that relationship between the individual and the built environment. And I would also say that, you know, kind of strengthening of that narrative, dare I say, yeah, uh, yeah. in that experience. But I, I also want to jump into another couple of questions about like, we, you know, we, we skirted it when we were talking about the multiple whole groups that are involved in making these projects come together right yeah yeah and, and i couldn't help but think and, and maybe i just i don't want to be going back to to the well for peter but um we know that you know we're talking about vr ar we also know that video games and stuff do come into play and we also know that some video games you were just you mentioned it earlier the nintendo or super mario world that came out um in japan um yeah. but i was just wondering you know a lot of people i t- I, give, I give talks to high schools all the time and a lot of the times the kids are like, oh, you know, I want to be an architect. Why? Because I play Minecraft, man. Or, or it's like, <laughs> oh, man, not Minecraft, Roblox or whatever. So, so you got all these kids that are like really cool with effectively digital Lego. You know, they're doing all this. Right. right. And then, you know, if, if I start talking about Minecraft, then eventually my first years, my second years, go, okay, look, I got that general idea of making stuff in the computer. And now I can use Rhino, Revit and all stuff and kind of extend it to the next level. My question to you would be, what is your this is kind of tongue in cheek, but what is your perspective, Court, of games like 
roller coaster tycoon or theme park <laughs> simulator because you're talking about like amusement units and stuff and i was like dude that is exactly the unit that they use in those games isn't yeah it? So, yeah. so to, like i mean it's funny you watch those cruel and unusual youtube videos where like someone makes like a simulator where they make the ride that can make you yeah 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 or or um it was like a it was like a spinning a drop tower mm -hmm. um that that was like you know 100 feet um i, I think it's fun I don't know. Like if it, if it gets people to think, like, I think Ashley Ryerson has a program where yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Right? I, I work, I work. And, and I think members of our team have actually judged some of their mm -hmm. entries, which is fantastic. Um, is that it's, it, maybe that's what it is. It's just like reaching out to the masses. Um, and if anyone, I, I, you know, think about, think about, all, all the YouTube videos of people doing amazing Lego um, uh, uh, basements where they've created a complete world with the Avengers Tower next to a spooky castle. Um, that's good fun, you know? And if, they, if, if that triggers them, yeah, and expensive. And if that triggers them to uh, pursue architecture in any way, good for them like um but but I, I maybe maybe when it comes to uh uh oversimplifying um i think that might be considered slightly detrimental because it because then you know everybody's like well okay well then i could design one too if i just yeah. have the right templates then i can just do it but there's there's always that thing it's like well i can do my own home reno no you can't yeah. So. so, okay. So then I have, so what now, now we're talking about more like the, what we learn and what we know. So let's jump back to sure. the idea of the academic side. Cause I want to talk about that. You, we already covered the fact that you have taught before, but right. I want to go back a little bit deeper because some people don't necessarily know that you wrote a book on third places, right? That's uh, correct. Yeah. Third place theory in particular. And we talk a lot about that. And, and I got to say though, when, when you got that first book, and because it's funny, because I, I knew Will Alsop before, and I also had to work with him when he came in and started doing some stuff at Ryerson. So, um, yeah. but I was more impressed, not only that you got Will to like do a forward, but correct me right, you got, I think you got Oldenburg too? Yes. Yes. Wow. How did you score those? That's the thing I don't, because I don't recall you ever at any of the Will Alsop events, right, that I was at. Okay. Well, this is, this is when we, when, when I do story time, but basically... Was there a pub? Um, was there a pub involved? There was it a pub might involved. have, yeah. but um, uh, a, a a very respectable interior designer, uh, Caroline Robbie, um, whose hmm. father Rod Robbie, who you know, did the Sky Dome, which is what it should always be called. Mm -hmm. um, she had worked with, I believe, or is very close, was very close friends. Uh, R.I.P. Um, Will. Um, yeah worked with with will uh and he had a birthday party and i was known for you know making goofy photoshops and i photoshopped him uh for a poster mm -hmm. and he loved it and uh he invited me to a party uh and we got to talking and i said hey could i pick your brain about something i i 
I'm taking my thesis and I have an opportunity to turn into a book and I want to do it the way that I want in terms of a book, because a thesis is very different. A thesis mm-hmm. is about defending a, a, a dissertation. So he was like, Oh yeah, no problem. Like, you know, he, he had, he had more than enough stories to tell. And when I explained to him the theory, which is the third place, which is uh, Ray Oldenburg's um, who's a, a sociologist about, you know, what is the realm that is beyond the gainful in our, in our cases, it's academic and work. And then where we start, which is our, our home sort of realm where we often begin and hopefully depending on your circumstances end, what is the third one? The third one is that sort of community space, the social one. It is a level playing field. It has all those good things that every TV show that came out of the 80s and 90s um, actually kind of revered, you know, without actually revering it. You know, Central Perk. Well, I was going to get at that. I wanted to just go right to that. Can you say... That's the problem with the with with the, the third place. It's become this kind of commodity perverse perversion of like it's got to right. be a coffee shop. Like my God, court. I, I'm and kids, you're listening right now, and I'll tell you if you find a random space in your podium for your building, whatever it is, or your 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 museum, whatever, and you just throw some sprinkle some chairs and table and call it a cafe. That's not a third place. That's just filling it up with furniture. Okay, so yeah. court. That's placeholder. Yes, please, court. I, uh, let you finish. So. So, you know, the third place is, is meant to be for the people. Um, oftentimes it is a neighborhood place. Uh, oftentimes it's self-policed, it's welcoming. Um, it can be a, a barber shop, it can be a salon, it can be a hardware store. Um, but it is a place where you, you bump into people that you, you don't plan to bump into. You, you feel comfortable there and they, they, they welcome you to be there. Um, it's steeped in history from the, the, the coffee shops um, to, you know, uh, uh, in, in France, uh, when the revolution started, that's where people met up to voice their displeasure. And people started saying, hey, yeah, I have the same feelings about this. We should, we should cause a riot. You know, like, I, I think it, it is that sort of melting pot of different classes um, I can go on and on about it, but, but the third place thinking in, and how I was able to do that is that after I, I finished my dissertation, I did actually send it out to Ray Oldenburg. And I just said, Hey, listen, I really loved your work. Um, I, I, I can, I'd, I'd love to get on a call with you if that's even possible. And um, he said, yeah, sure. Maybe you can be one of the, the few who are experts. So technically I am one of the, you know, top something, top five experts in third place theory. Um, and he blessed it and I gave him a copy and he sent me a nice email that I have somewhere in a, you know, in my inbox. But uh, yeah, he was very supportive of it. And I, I think that maybe that's that's the camaraderie that comes out of some intellects is that they're like, you know, the, the idea, like I say, you know, the idea is just so big that it doesn't need to be owned by anyone. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be out there so that other people can benefit. 
no, I gotta, I gotta admit that is, that is a testament to this kind of the affability of you. And, and when was that? That was like when you were like in your twenties, like. Yeah, I, I, I was 2007, That was a long, long time. So, so yeah, like that's. that's well, well, te- technically that, that was the inroad to teaching at Ryerson. And mm-hmm. I think, do I still hold the title as being one of the youngest, uh, adjunct profs oh I no so at ryerson yeah well i don't know about well, at my time at that time i think at that time how old would you have been i'm just trying to feel this oh geez now you now you're asking me to date myself and do no, math because that was because oldenburg would have been thesis time right so that would have been yeah so and it's 2008 2007 and then i think it's 2005 so like so so i was like in in my mid-20s yeah, I mean, 20s. that's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. I, I don't know yeah. the age at Ryerson. I don't, I don't know my Ryerson. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, remember, I just, I, I, I left the empire. Um, that's right. The, that's the right. year before. So she, we're not going to talk about that. But um, yeah, so, uh, but that, no, you, you were pretty young and that was, that was good. So I'm glad that you got that. But I also got to say that, you know, it is a testament to just the kind of guy that you are, um, you know, that, that you are very, <laughs> approachable and i wish i could still learn lessons i always like to say i learn lessons from my students and clearly i'm a slow learner because i don't stick i don't pick up from some of the things that you are good at so i'll, I'll admit that but <laughs> let's tonight. just jump let's just jump right into a couple of other things though sure um, sure okay, Shoot. So these are rapid fire questions okay go for it okay what's the worst building in toronto <sighs> well you're gonna get yourself in trouble now aren't you yeah i'm totally gonna get in trouble um there is a condo building that steps back it's in liberty village and i i just can't i, I just don't uh, understand it. see people gotta know it man you, you gotta say these are kids in high school oh. in first year they don't know liberty village they have been like kids are listening to like calcutta and in calgary come on <laughs> the worst building in toronto then okay um or in the world in the world okay Oof. In the world, oh, that's that even worse. It, okay, fine. Then isolate it back to Toronto. I'll try to make it easy on you, man. No, I, 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 I. This is this one's a tough one. This is like when you're asking for targets on your back. I, I know. Um, fine. I'll let you do a pass on this. I'll let you do a pass. Okay. On okay. 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 But then, who's your favorite architect? Oh, he's only done one built work, and it wasn't actually not really architecture. But a, a, a guy named Levius Woods. Oh, Levius Woods. Yep, yep. Uh, d- did a lot of great uh, stuff. Great um, illustrations. Yep, definitely. Amazing hand. Mm-hmm. If you if you can find his drawings, they are pieces of art. Yes, yes, they are. Um, very, very uh, great work there. Okay, and keep on going here. Um, what was the worst course you had when you were in school? <laughs> Architecture. I think. I think. I think I was caught sleeping with one eye open in statics class um and i wasn't teaching you in that one so thank god no for that. Um, no that was so hard and i i'm i i, I do not want to do statics ever again <laughs> okay um what's the worst project you've worked on in school i think you credited me credited me oh, on it oh, it was geez. it was yeah. awful i think i think i was being lazy and i and i think the challenge was to do a steel structure. So I thought it would be kind of tongue in cheek to take the symbol of the, the steel 
uh, I think it's like a circle with an elongated star. And I was going to take the plan and then I was going to pull the tail up and turn it into a, like a little scorpion thing. And I got butchered and I deserved it. It was a good learning lesson. That sounds terrible. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. It was bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and, oh wait, and, and you can't, you can't pander, but most impressed the prop that impressed you the most or had a greatest impression and impact on you oh wow there are quite a few um i'm gonna go with bob wilger oh good call good call um bob wilger taught iconography which adam though that's that's surprised you he had him. was really hard on us we had to read a 200 page book a week yep. and then we would have to do a precy which was the most difficult because you have to distill a 200 page book answer a one sentence question mm -hmm. in three sentences yep and it was it was a task yeah but he is the nicest dude i remember bumping oh, yeah. him a lot in toronto at bookstores and uh yeah, he's, he's a solid, solid guy. He, 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 the thing that resonates still is, I know it's not his quote, but the way that he said it was, if you, if you don't know about your history, you're bound to repeat it. And he'd say it, you, you know, you can hear him saying it, right, Vince? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, it's funny, because like, I mean, did you see it when he, you were, you were getting taught by him when he had like the kind of um, the Bob Ross kind of hair thing? Yeah. 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 And then, so, so later on, I'm not sure if you saw, followed it, but he actually grew it to the point where he had like man bund it, like he pulled it back. Yes, I, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the good old days. He was, he's, he's a pioneer. Yes, yes, he was. But, okay, going to the fun stuff. Can you recount a fun, funny story? This is a long answer. Fun, <laughs> funny story from your own architectural education. Well, there's this one professor who insisted that we learn uh what was it called it was a 3d program form z form z and this this prof insisted on trying to do some i guess team building um and convinced a group of us to i don't know how he did it he was very very convincing um i think he plied us with beverages maybe um wait this sounds to, like some michael jackson kind of stuff man wait off wait yeah off. Okay. yeah to uh to to try and perform lip sync and and to the choreography of a a uh, this is dating myself a backstreet boys song and he even created a photoshop of all of us in the pose of the album cover and uh, he, he named us the Back Studio Boys, which in hindsight is a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, and he, he got us to perform at the local, you know, pub uh, yep. uh, with chairs because that was part of choreography. You know, the, 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 chore those you guys looking up, uh, maybe I'll put in the show notes. It was As Long As You Love Me um, <laughs> uh, and uh, Court. And there's a whole bunch of choreography with chairs. Court was uh, describing. Take a look in the yeah. show. Yeah, and and it was extremely embarrassing, um, but made us very popular with uh, 
with other years and uh, I, I still laugh about it. And I think you're laughing about it too, Vince. Well, I was going to raise that story, but um, <laughs> just for the record, that wasn't me teaching you in that computer course because I don't Oh, you were the TA, I think. You were the TA. No, because I've never been the TA for that course. I've oh. never, I've, I was- Oh, actually, shoot. So I don't, I think it might've been something else. I don't know, man. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, but yeah, but, but yes, I, I will take accountability for that. But um, listen, man, <laughs> that was some badass video. And I got to say, when you guys were doing studio, uh, and kids, you guys don't understand it, but back in the day, we only had CD players at best. Oh, yes. Right? So, so they would just put on repeat and play the CD and they would listen to it till the cows came home. And when you're doing a deadline, what else you got to do, right? You can't like go what? and watch Netflix at the same time. So no. they were productive. They just banged into that song and they say they, it wasn't just lip syncing because some of you guys actually sang some of you guys actually I, there there are some very re reputable members of that group that are around the world right now who are design directors or principals of their own firms and you know I'm, I'm sure if we were to bring it back up it would trigger them quite a bit yeah, well, I got dirt on them, so that's why. Well, how do you think? How do you think the Ryerson Co-op program works, man? It's like this. This goes on YouTube if you don't hire the kid. Uh, so no, that those those are those are fun days. But you know what? I, I will say though, one other story that I, I recounted, and I might have told this to Terry in, in, in a discussion with him. But I remember when you were in first year, and I don't remember like I I was helping you with something. I can't remember what, but I was helping you out. It was like you going through first year, and first year we know is rough in, in, in even the best of times, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember why, but I for some reason I remember having to drive you home, like in Mississauga. I yes. You remember why? I don't remember why, but I think we went to we we went to some form of event <laughs> together, and then okay. you were heading back to Toronto. Okay. Uh, and it was pouring. It was pouring. I remember that. Okay, but that's just weird because I was like, why? Like, I don't ever let people know where I live or where I have my place. Oh, no, you dropped me off. No, yeah, okay, fine. okay. Yeah. But I remember dropping you off at your place. And then for some reason, and maybe it was because it's this ongoing joke that Vince dresses like a homeless person. But yes. You remember this, where you gave me clothes? You gave yeah, me. Yeah, I think, I think it was my mom, my Asian mom. She, she, I think it's an Asian mom thing. Um, I think no, it was just that's like, like a goodwill thing, or something. I don't know. It's like, a, like a, I was like, wait, I was like, do, 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 your, your mom only I, saw me from the chest up driving you to to your place. I, so I, like, I, I think it's because you didn't own any colors other than black, and and you know there was like you. there was more there was more gray. I think you know there was some gray that was given to you. Yeah, but it was just weird because I'm like, oh my god, this is like a sign. The, the 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 one of the first real gifts I get from a, someone's parents is like, yo, get some clothes, man. Like seriously. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta step it up. I remember that. See, see, like, and I can't even make this stuff up. Like it's weird. no, no, this is all true. This is yeah. an all true story. Both of those, all these stories are all true. Thank you. And then you know what's funny too? <laughs> and I, I was telling Terry this way back a year ago. Like now that I've interviewed Terry and I've interviewed you. I think right. it's just bound to be just like I, I'm going to interview every single one of my. It's true. Yeah. Right. She's in California right now. I think. Like, like, like time zones matter, really. Um. Yeah. No, but it, it's just really strange. I, I mean, just before we go, can you just describe though, the three of you from the same family said, "Hey, let's all go." Well, the architecture. I, 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 I sent out the flare to say don't do this 
um this is probably not what our audience wants to hear but well no 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 i mean i mean it's okay keep it on the positive <laughs> side but like i mean yeah, it's, it's just it's just really strange to hear like yeah like you know you see your bro- older brother going through like some crazy stuff in school right and he's getting taught by homeless people that can't afford clothes and then <laughs> terry was like yeah I, I challenge accepted um, yeah well that's terry though that's terry he 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 doesn't back down from a challenge so you know um but at the same time i was having a heck of a lot of fun too you know mm-hmm. that's where the third place has come from um you know uh so i think he saw some of the plus and the minus and we do come from a family of artists um mm-hmm. uh even my son like I, I was telling you he's he's into doing stuff now with with model building and and doing he's figured out how to use um procreate Seriously? which is an amazing app he's he's doing really well with that he's got a comic book coming out um and and i i i guess you know just maybe wrapping it back to to that quote is like art architecture you know i i think people like the romance of a, a high art right and i i know that you know terry's figured out his own niche he's gone more on the art side Yep. You know, I've stayed in the architecture business side. He's still in business. That's for sure too. Mm-hmm. And then I think Jessica, uh, who, you know, we're cousins. Uh, I didn't know her super, super well, but she also had talent. So I think, I think she, it just worked for her. So maybe that's the lesson to be learned. Yeah. It's just, I, I thought that was, cause that was the first time I had a brush with like, Oh my gosh, it's like a family going through. And then it's even more weird where, I've taught so long now that I've seen like maybe a dozen brothers, sisters, cousins <laughs> going through. Yeah. And, and I'm, 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 I'm court mark my words. I'm almost certain. Like I've, you know how I run those kids programs in the, like in the summer for like kids yes. uh, about architecture, like, you know, like for, an outreach. Yeah. Like, yeah. I do that like Minecraft camp, but I also do like kid for kids, like, you know, nine year old to like, you know, 17 year old. It's crazy. We got kids that I was, like giving these summer camp programs to they're in my first year and second year now. Okay. Swear to God, it's weird. And I'm not even joking about this. I've had so many wedding, like there's a point, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Court where like there's a point yeah. in your life when everyone, you know, starts getting married. Right. Yeah. yeah. I never escaped that because the same people graduate masters and like literally four or five years later, they get married. And like, I get, I have to turn down wedding invitations because in the summer, I can't, I just can't go to like 50 weddings in because, because you just get invited. Right. So it got, I was like, Oh, it's such an honor. And then like, after the first five years of doing that, I was like, I was bored. I was broke. I was poor, man. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't sustain that. Well, it's a good thing. I got you clothes. Like my mom got you clothes early on. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm just putting it out here because um, now I'm, I'm banking on the fact that I'm, I'm no, nowhere to lie. I'm banking on probably teaching someone's kids that I would have taught already. Like, wow, I'm banking on like, you know, your kid is going to be in my class, like, you know, in a decade or so. Right. I I think, I I don't know that it could happen. It could happen. You've got the longevity. Yeah. I I, I don't vampire genes. Don't tell the kids and don't tell the faculty that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, Court, it's always good to have you. Always good to talk to you. And I'm really glad, again, thanks again for coming out for the reviews. But I, and I definitely want to get more of you and your folks over from, you know, Borek over into the yeah. bowl. Yeah, for sure. Fun. Um, 
And, and again, you guys have been very supportive. You've hired a lot of our uh, students in the past and I definitely- Yeah, talented them. people. Yeah, so um, you guys have got some great talents over there. So definitely take a look guys uh, listening that are probably graduating. Um, Forec has, has opportunity, um, but also they have good people because courts, as you've probably figured out from this, pretty laid back. And uh, if you're really nice to him, his parents will buy you clothes. Um, man, that's so weird. Um, like, I'm still trying to figure like, at that point. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to talk to them. I'm going to have to talk to them about it. Yeah, I'm, well. I, I don't know. But, I, yeah, I, like, don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. And, and more importantly, it's like, did your mom just go like, yeah, he looks like he wears your size or something. I, I, don't, I don't even understand that, man. I don't know. I think, I, I think they, were, they were not my size, perhaps. I don't even know. We're going to give it, it to parody anyways. So let's just yeah. give, let's give it to that homeless guy. Save the middleman. Um, uh, anyhow, man. Perfect. Um, I, I will say thank you very much again. And uh, we'll hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And for everybody who does check out the website, just know that that's really just the tip of the iceberg because um you know, one of one of our taglines right now is that we might be one of the best kept secrets in in Toronto. Um, so what we show is is what we can show, and there's plenty more <laughs> once you get past the past the NDAs and and uh, get through our doors. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, that's something I'm not sure. I, I think my it requires a certain type of person because if. I know that if I were working on, say, like Star Wars or something, I, it would be a hard day to like not go back home and tell people like, yo, man, I'm doing this, right? Like, there's got to be some excitement. Like, I mean, I've worked on projects in architecture where I'm like, oh, can I tell anyone about the retirement home I'm doing? No, no one cares. Like, it's a retirement home, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say that. I, let, uh, let's just say that we don't, we don't publish it. Let's just say. That. I yeah. think people talk for sure. People talk. All right. Well, thank you very much, Court. Okay. For sure. Anytime. Looking forward to the next one. Bye.